encourage these students this morning with me, church. Man. Thanks, bro. Man, I say that, and, and as Omar's doing, walking off here, man, aren't we blessed to have Omar Garcia as a part of our church family? Man. You're an astro in my heart, Omar. Y'all. Mm. So I know what time it is. Now, some of you have lunch plans. We'll get there. And today is such a good day. Um, I want to share with you a passage of scripture um, that is for our seniors, and it's for you as well. Uh, and I have to be honest with you, uh, this passage has wrecked me since Monday. And even earlier this morning in my office, it was wrecking me. So I'm not sure that it's done yet. I'm not sure the Lord is done with me in this passage yet. Um, but as we uh, move towards our conversation about our church, um, making sure that the name on the outside matches what the Holy Spirit's doing on the inside, um, I've been challenged in ways that I didn't know I needed to be challenged. And the Lord has, has been good to not just step on my toes but take my kneecaps out at the same time I don't know if you've ever been in that place if you have your Bible turn with me to Ephesians we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, 11, 12 and 13 Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, 11, 12 and 13 and I'll give you a second to to move there or to get there while we're rolling today <clears throat> and and this is what I want you to know and church I don't want to ignore you a whole lot um, but but this is a big day really for our seniors um, some of you are thinking man my house is going to want to have have one less mouth to feed you only say that if you don't have a kid in college because that mouth is real expensive amen it's way cheaper at home uh, in doing that but but I started looking at what adulthood was defined as in our state, in our country, and 18 is when we consider people adults in America. And so seniors, for you, most of you are 18 or about to turn 18, and graduation's kind of that marker in your life. It feels like before graduation, things have consequences, but they are different than after you enter into adulthood and the consequences of oversleeping class, uh, the consequences of not really studying, the consequences of staying up late and having to get up early, the consequences of relationships and faith, the consequences of purpose in life. All of those things matter differently. It's so much different than when, I don't know, maybe you were growing up and you started off really loving soccer and then three weeks later you really loved tennis and then four weeks later you really loved band and then two weeks later you really loved nobody. You know, those consequences weren't the same, but this is a marker. Things are different. And so tomorrow holds a different type of promise and a different expectation for you than yesterday did. It holds a different expectation in your faith, in your path, and the plans the Lord have with you, have for you. In many ways, this serves as a real life example of what your spiritual walk is encountering. And I want to read to you guys and with our church family, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 through 13. And I want to talk with you, but then I want to bring us all into the conversation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, super familiar passage says this. For we are his, that's the Lord, we are his worship, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. 
Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh of hands. And remember that you were at, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I want you to know this is true for you seniors and for the rest of our church family. In Christ Jesus, verse 10 is absolutely true. You are his workmanship and you were created for a purpose. God didn't just make you and say, well, I had a little leftover, a little bonus time on my hand. So, you know, let, let's... Let's have a good-looking Koji appear in the world today. You know, let's, let's just make that happen. God planned you. He had a purpose for you when he made you. And that purpose wasn't ever unknown to him. It was always known and it was always good. And when we read this passage of Scripture, we love going, I am God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus. And then I love jumping down to verse 13. But now, you who were once far off, Mm, you're not you've been brought near by the blood of Christ and and I want you to know in the midst of our life knowing that God has a purpose for us and knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ was spilled for us to bring us near that should be enough fuel in our tanks to handle any challenge God puts in for up in front of us to handle any test to handle anything we'd ever experience in fact, I would tell you, church, that the reality of God bringing us near the light of blood of his son will be more thrilling than the diploma you will get in a few days, more potent than the degree you hold in your hand in college, the, the time you say I do, or the day you hold your first child. That the reality that the living God of all things has made you, and he sent his son to show you the goodness, is awesome but I'll tell you where I was wrecked. And church, I want to invite you in even more here. You can't fly by verse 11 and 12. It's great to know you were created in Christ Jesus, and it's great to know that you were saved by his blood. But listen to really unusual words that the Bible tells us. Verse 11 and 12. And church, I'll go through it again, and I'm going to read it in big letters on my iPad. Therefore, remember. Remember at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in the world you can't forget that you were hopeless. You see, if you forget that you were at one time hopeless, then the sweetness of the blood of Christ will pale and fade over time. And you will find yourself in the midst of college letting everything wash over your mind and the alienation and the separation and salvation that Christ died to offer you rescue from and for will become a lukewarm bath. And you will find yourself somehow, somewhere loving the Lord 
in the same bath as the church of Laodicea in the, in the Lord's Supper, excuse me, in the Lord's Revelation. And he says, I, I just don't want anything to do with that kind of life. You see, I, I was wrecked, church, because I love being God's workmanship and I love what Christ has done, but I will tell you the truth, 96% is the number of people give their life to Jesus Christ before, oh, I think it's age 29. Only 4% of believers give their life after age 29. It's like 85% before age 18. Some of you have been walking with Christ like I have a long time. And what I was wrecked by is that we don't focus on remembering what hopeless felt like. We, we don't spend time remembering the potent, powerful reality of Jesus Christ and we can get really comfortable with the status quo of lukewarm Christianity. Christy and I, when we got married and we went to our first church together, I was going to seminary, she, she got uh, her big paycheck from the school district in McKinney and our church was in a planned development in this area and this planned development was beautiful. Hundreds of thousands of acres and homes just where they ought to be and beautiful just like they have to be and our church was meeting in a school and that development we couldn't afford to be in but we loved that we got to drive through there every day and take walks in the neighborhood. And no kidding, the members of our church, all of them expressed almost identical vibes. We couldn't wait to be a part of this community and we hope we're the last ones in because we don't want anything to change. The, the, the price tag to get in was high. And they knew if a lot of other people come in, it might mess up the vibe that I've got working and I remember thinking, because we lived on the other side of the interstate, not the, not the happy pretty part, but the newlyweds living off a teacher's salary and a part-time job area of town. You know what I'm talking about? And I just remember thinking, I wonder if, how quickly people forget once they're on the inside what it felt like to be on the outside. See, because if they remembered what it felt like to be on the inside, they will be calling every friend they know saying, you gotta move here. If they remembered what it was like to be on the outside, then nothing would keep them from pushing every door open, from going and saying, look, come and see what this incredible subdivision is like. I'm not talking faith, I'm just talking neighbors. But once their passion was satisfied, the mindset of the hopelessness was gone. And all of a sudden, they wanted to keep a secret, the good life. Because hopeless may mess up what I've got. Made me think about Peter as I've been studying the book of uh, Peter's life and the book of Peter. When I think of the testimony of Peter, the leader of the apostles, the early church father, I think of some of the things that he wrote. First Peter chapter four, verse two says this. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. 
who stood up. This man, he raised his hands, stood up in persecution. He spoke before anyone he could. He shared on the day of Pentecost. This man says, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. What would inspire this man, this Christian, just like you and I, to stand up, to, to seek and to, sit, to be where God sent him, to be willing to stand up and get beaten and suffer for the gospel? What would cause this man to go out day in and day out? My only thought was he never forgot what hopelessness felt like and how sweet it was to no longer be hopeless. I don't think he ever forgot the time when he failed his Lord Jesus and denied him three times. I don't think he ever forgot having enough faith to walk on water but not enough faith to keep Jesus in the center. I don't think he ever forgot the time that Jesus said, throw your net on this side. And he said, I don't want to, but I'll do it out of respect. I, I don't think Peter ever forgot the thousands of times that in himself, he embraced what was hopeless. But God brought him near. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the word of Jesus Christ, over and over and over, the same lips who said, get behind me, Satan, would later say, do you love me? The same man that, that he, he said, you're making my heart about the wrong things, would shed his blood for Peter. And I don't think Peter ever forgot what it was like to be hopeless because he never lost the sweetness of the gospel in his Lord Jesus Christ. And tradition says until his last breath. college you will get tempted to forget hopelessness it will come upon you and you won't even know it but the sweetness of the blood of Christ is that it is greater than all of your sins and you are no longer a sinner you are no longer captured by sin but if you forget that you have been rescued, then you will cease to seek the rescuer more and you will no longer think of those who are hopeless. Remember, I thought about our students and I thought about the adults in the room. I really thought a lot about me. You see, because I... I don't think about what it was like to be hopeless all the time. And this is why the Lord has punched me in the chest. I, I like to think about, but God, and I'm made for a purpose. And that's true. But God did that at a high price. 
The blood of his son, Jesus, rescued me. So I started to be honest. I started to journal. And and so I want to read you an excerpt from my journal that I wholeheartedly believe is for us. When I read these words, I wrote, it's a challenge meant to shake me from the paper chains of comfort and security. The ones that threaten my personal walk, but endanger millions of those whose days don't add up to some of my own. I think we've become too dependent on assumptions and personal preference. And and the battle for generations is being lost. I wrote, we say, come Lord Jesus, not because the joy before us is worth the suffering, but because we're tired of suffering. We say, come Lord Jesus, not because the wonder of heaven has so captivated us, but because we're tired of standing against the tide. Because we have become comfortable with words that we do not understand and sitting at the feet of people we admire. But we have forgotten what it is like to be hopeless and so the wonder of the King of Kings in eternity is no longer wrecking our lives. A great friend asked me about statistics this week and statistics is my love language. Baptists, we don't do a lot of statistics. But as I was praying this week and asking God to show me something that would would reveal his heart to mine, that would stir my soul for him. What does it look like when we forget what it's like to be hopeless. I came across a very detailed study that was done a few years back. And I want you to know what is happening when we forget to be hopeless. We're a Southern Baptist church. It's the best cooperation there is. And these statistics are of people who say, I belong to a God-honoring church that shares this cooperation and these beliefs. This isn't about random people. This is about us. What happens when we lose sight of what it's like to be hopeless, we lose sight of Christ. 40% of people who claim to be Southern Baptists and know what it means, they seek wisdom from common sense instead of religion. 40% of people who have been made with a purpose, who have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, but have forgotten what it is like. 39% say this, the Bible is not the word of God, or if it is, it can't be taken literally. These aren't random people. This is our people this is us what happens when we lose sight of hope 30 percent 
say that, that scripture should allow in relationships outside of a man and a woman. What happens when we lose sight of hopelessness? 42% do not believe in the Genesis account of creation of man and woman. What happens when we have no hope, when we forget and it becomes about comfort and words we no longer know because we like the community we're in? 30% believe that abortion at any time, at will, no matter why, is okay and okay with God. 60% of that number is over the age 50 and have been a member of Baptist churches for a long time. I don't know if any of this represents any of us, but part of me broke. Because something became very real to me. What may be blocking the view of Jesus Christ is not simply the comfort of things on the outside that don't match the inside, but maybe on the inside we have gotten so comfortable with Christ and our hopelessness has been removed so far that we do not know what we believe. Church, 13% of people who share our cooperation are under the age of 30. 13% of Southern Baptists are under the age of 30. But that group makes up half, almost half, of the group that says the Bible is not the word of God or it can't be taken literally. These are our children. And if our fire is burning out because we forget what it was like to be hopeless, then we have to own the consequences of standing behind paper fences of faith while our children are consumed by the enemy and they don't even know it. And I wrote, God forgive me because I have not remembered what it was like to be hopeless. What it was like to be set free from death to life. What it was like to have no ability to break the chains of sins or addiction. just been real comfortable encouraging people like me to hang on until relief comes in the second coming you see
see, if we remember what it's like to be hopeless, then we have no room in our lives for lists like Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orders, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We can't excuse some things and persecute others. If we remember what it was like to be hopeless, then the motions and the passions that once enslaved us will have no room at our table because they are too painful to consider introducing to our life or anyone we love again. But church, we must remember what it was like. One last statistic. 26% of our cooperation as Baptists have children in their home. 74% are empty nesters. That means there should be no child in the church that doesn't have three saints to every one of them pouring into their life for the gospel so that they will not be trapped in hopelessness. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are not finished. We cannot seed the kingdom to the enemy for generations to come because we are comfortable behind the paper fences and the paper shields that we have staked ourselves to that do not protect. So we have to do something amazing. We have to stop standing in awe of Bible teachers, delighting in the fruit that we eat from those trees. And I'm a Bible teacher. We have to stop celebrating nothing victories like they're everything. We have to live a life that's only satisfied with Christ, that's only satisfied by honoring the one who shed his blood so that we could be brought near. A Christian nor a church is meant to be a sleeping giant. All the power of the bridegroom now, it's what the Lord told Peter. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. On that rock, a confession of faith, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because it is not a paper fence. Remember what it was like to be hopeless. Seniors, you're stepping out into a new world. Remember there was a time before you reached the hand that was outstretched coming from heaven for your life. 
Remember there was a time before you heard the strong voice of the Lord say, follow me. Don't get caught up in the norms you create and don't fall asleep in the lukewarm faith that will steal your energy from serving the Lord and calm you down from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That lukewarm distraction will make your eyelids heavy and your faith too weak to wake up to the call that Christ has placed on your heart. Remember that in every generation, God has raised up people who were your age to bring revival to the sleeping giant that is the church. God created you as his workmanship to do good things that he prepared for you. Church, our invitation is a little different today. Um, seniors, if your families are in the room, I'm gonna go let you sit with them. Would you do that for me? Mom and dad, aunts and uncles, grandparents, friends, whoever you're, this senior comes to sit with, We're with you, but you give answer, not us. So the invitation for you is to put your hand on the shoulder of your child. And I want you to invite you to pray over them that they would never forget what it was like to be hopeless and how wonderful it is to be safe and saved in the strong arm of our Lord. If you're a part of our church family, if you're in here this morning and you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and yet it has been ages since you've thought about what it was like to be hopeless. In your time of prayer, would you just ask the Lord to remind you so that he might spur you on to embrace the sweetness of the salvation that you have. And if you walked in today and you are hopeless, I want you to know that verse 13 is not meant to be an insider secret. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are far off right now can be brought near. Because the son of the living God shed his life and his blood for you so that you would no longer have to live hopeless. And if during our time of response, that's coming and praying at the front, if it's meeting with someone in the hall afterwards, church, we are not those who shrink back. Let's not forget what we have been rescued from. Would you pray with me? Father God, how oh, you know my heart. Lord Jesus, you know the, the paper mache that litters my yard. 
arts and crafts for my King and Lord. Lord, you rescued me. I was a sinner. I was angry. Lord, I've struggled with pride. You know the list. I don't need to confess it. You know. Father God, to live for eternity in that hopeless state would be a fate worse than death. And you rescued me. You invited me to live a life all out, spent for my king, so excited for the glorious return of my Lord and my eternity being made whole through the blood of my Savior, God. That's my call. So Lord Jesus, don't let me get caught in the middle in a lukewarm bath of comfort that I don't understand but I'm depending on. And for these students, God, Lord, stoke their fire when they're being pulled and tempted in college and they're making decisions all on their own. Poke their fire. Let them remember what it was like so that instead of being pulled, God, they may be the one pulling others to life. Lord, as your church, we belong to you. Lord, as your church, Lord, rinse us clean of anything we have decorated ourselves with and let us be seen by the most beautiful robes that we could ever think of and never obtain dipped in the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I praise you that we are no longer without hope. But let us not forget what it was like to be hopeless so that we might chase after you with the conviction that Peter demonstrated that Paul speaks about. For your glory in Jesus' name, amen.